Badasses. Uh, today is going to be a little bit different because I am joined by Mallory Dunn. Now, obviously, you can see the image. Mallory is straight sized. And, you know, rather than being the voluptuous plus sized body. <laughs> but there's a reason I have her on today. And we're going to go into that in just a minute. But for anybody who does not know, I am Kimberly. I am your host. I'm going to apologize now for my lack of makeup. Menopause is not my friend, as you can see by all of this. So bear with me, you guys. I don't normally look this bad. <laughs> but, you know, we work with what we work with. Um, if you want to be a supporter for this podcast or any other podcast I do, you want access to listener-only support, make sure that you go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life. That's where you are going to find listener, supporter, only content. You're going to see daily videos coming up. You're going to see tips and tricks for, you know, your body, your body type, your body size, and all kinds of interesting things like that. So make sure you go there, buy me a coffee, keep me caffeinated. It's mm -hmm. how I survive, you guys. Um, so let's get back to topic at hand today, though. Mallory is joining us. She is the owner of Smart Glamour, which is one of the very few literal size inclusive clothing brands out there. Now, that's something that we see a lot of, especially in the plus size community, you know, companies that say they're size inclusive and it goes up to a 2X, maybe a 3X if we're lucky, not Smart Glamour. Mallory has made it a mission to be truly size inclusive. And that is why she is on the show today. She is a champion for all bodies. So, Mallory, before we get in and we talk about this, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Yeah. My name is Mallory Dunn, as you said, it says on the screen. Um, and I am the owner and designer of Smart Glamour. Um, I started Smart Glamour in 2014. Um, but I have been sewing and making clothes for about 20 years, and I've been working in fashion in general for about 10 years. Now, what was the turning point for you where you knew you wanted to be truly size inclusive? Um, it wasn't really ever a turning point. There was never a point that I was not doing that. Um, you know, I have been interested in clothing. I, I, I don't even really say fashion my whole life. I say clothing because I was never really interested in um, like designers or um, that kind of part of fashion. The like trying to be, I mean, like I watched high fashion Roma shows because I think clothes are interesting, but I like, you know, wasn't really, really paying attention to who the designers were. Um, not interested really in like the like trends or like being cool or like like that part of that like fashion really so hardly um relies on um i just like clothing i like making things with my hands and i like self-expression um and that was always my interest and then when i was in high school my high school had a fashion design program which i took part in um and i did a runway show so this is 
you know, 2004, 2005. Um, and my models were my friends and my friends were of all shapes and sizes and ethnicity and ability. Um, and they were my models and it wasn't, it wasn't intentional. Like I wasn't trying to like make any kind of statement. I just was like, I'm making clothes. My friends are going to be my models and that's going to be that. Um, and then I went to FIT for fashion design in college. Um, didn't, I loved learning at that school, but I didn't really love the trajectory they were setting me on, um, in the like corporate fashion world, which like prior to going to school, I didn't even realize that like <laughs> that was a thing or that clothes are made. Like, you know, you just don't think about like the business aspect of things when you're like 18 and you just want to make pretty clothes. Um, and so I went and I transferred to Pratt Institute and I got an art and design education degree, um, that I missed fashion. I went back into fashion. I ended up working in corporate fashion. I was correct in my assumption that I really didn't like that. Um, I didn't like how unnecessarily stressful it was for like no creativity. We were making things um, for like Walmart, Kmart, Ross, Burlington. Um, so like those kind of stores they don't have design teams. They buy their clothes from design houses. So like I worked at a design house that made clothes for those companies. And it's just a lot of copying other people's things and then um, making them in less and less good quality items so they can be cheaper and cheaper. And yeah, it's just, it just, I did it for a while and it was like, this is just, this is not fun. This is not what I got into fashion to do. So I left and I started doing this freelance work. Um, and during that time is when I thought of the concept for Smart Glamour, um, which was basically an answer to what I saw as the main problems within fashion, being that it is exclusionary, being that it makes people feel bad about themselves. Um, it makes people feel like their bodies are wrong. Um, you know, so the idea was I'll make clothes for everybody. And then I will put all of those people in said clothes <laughs> and it will make a difference for the people wearing the clothes for the customers, but also for the people who just happen to see the imagery. Um, so yeah, there, there was, there was never a turning point. It's just, that's, I've always just been, been this way. <laughs> now, when you are coming up with the concept for a different clothing piece, mm -hmm. when you start doing that, do you think about, like how it's going to look on every body type or what, what is your process there to make sure that it is going to be something that everybody's going to want to wear? Um, so there's, I feel like I have a lot to say to answer that question. So the first thing is that, no, I don't think about what it's going to look like on people's body types um, because I strongly believe that any person of any body type can wear any garment of clothing. Um, it just needs to be made for them. So that doesn't mean that the design needs to change in any way. It just needs to be physically made in their size. Um, and there are no reasons that any garment cannot be made for any person. Um, you know, I make clothes in a very different way than mainstream fashion makes clothes. I hand make clothing myself and it's all customizable. Um, when mainstream fashion is making clothing, uh, the majority of mainstream fashion is, you know, very, very, very mass produced. It's made in incredibly high volumes. Um, they follow one, you know, a size chart that they've come up with that they think uh, represents their customer. But human bodies are not made off of size charts. So the majority of people 
Um, you know, I think that people just kind of get attached to what they believe their size to be. And then they just order that size across the board. And then they kind of expect all garments to fit them as if it was made for them. But that's not, that's not the case. You know, um, you can even have the same bust waist hip as another human being, but because one of you may be taller and one of you might be shorter, one of you might be ha have more muscular arms and one of you might have more um, fat on your arms. One of you might have a bigger chest. One of you might have a smaller chest. One of you might have all of your height in your legs. One of you might have all of your height in your torso. You know, there's a bazillion things that go into bodies and how they're made. And so if you don't have a similar proportion to the fit model that the company uses, the clothing is not going to fit like it's made for you because it quite simply, it was not, it was made to fit that fit model. And then it was sized up and down. And you know, there, everything that I just said, while it can be very frustrating, um, when you're making clothes in such mass amounts, there really is no other way to do it. So it's either, you know, you invest in, in buying clothes and then get them tailored to fit you, or you find a company that does customizations. So when I'm coming up with a new design, first of all, um, aside from the clothes being for everybody, the other main tenets of the brand are that everything is ethically made and that everything is in a accessible price as much as possible for ethically made clothing. So I'm constantly thinking about those things and how all of those things intersect more so than I'm thinking about, oh, I need to be able to make this for all people. That, that doesn't matter. I can make everything for all people. So it's more about, you know, what kind of fabric am I going to make this in? Is that fabric going to last a long time through washes and wears? Um, is the design, you know, classic enough or, or like, um, I don't know if classic is really the right word, but, but something that's not based on a trend, right? Something that somebody's going to want to keep for a long time. Um, and then is it something that I can make somewhat easily? so that I don't have to charge a ton of money for it. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, <laughs> I could go on and on about this, but but a lot of ethically made clothing is very expensive. And some of that makes a lot of sense to me. Obviously, you know, you're paying more for labor, you're paying for um, good quality fabrics, and that costs money. But there is um, a lot of really like inflating overheads and, and really charging a lot for things that are pretty simple, which in my opinion um is therefore then not ethical because if you're if you're boosting your um overhead so that you can make more money on your bottom line then like <laughs> I, that doesn't seem super ethical to me but that's that's a personal opinion <laughs> so, so i'm very much concerned with making sure the items can um be as accessibly priced as possible and are things that are going to give the wearer like you know years of use now, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. and you are probably the best person for me to ask this question of. I recently bought a bikini. First bikini ever. Mm -hmm. But as I was shopping, you know, because at my body size, I can't just walk into Walmart and buy it off the rack. Yep. You know, so I was buying it online. But I kept noticing, you know, they would have their size chart and it would be just totally different. You know, I'm going to use, you know, just like a random 2X, mm -hmm. you know, should fit this size normally, but their 2X fits a medium person. Mm -hmm. Why? 
So the first thing is that um, there is no universal size chart, period. Every company makes their own size chart. Um, and I understand why that's frustrating to folks, but you have to kind of like zoom out and think about just how many clothing brands there are that exist, not even just in our country, but also in the world because clothing brand, it's um, very often, you know, shipped globally. There's a lot of clothing brands that people shop majority in the United States that are not even based here, you know, like Zara. Zara is not an American company, it's a Spanish company. Um, that was just the first thing that popped in my head. But anyway, that being said, um, clothing brands decide on not only their size chart, but also their size range. You know, as we just mentioned, everyone carries different sizes of clothing. Mm -hmm. So you have size chart, you have size range, then companies have who they think their customer is. And that means, you know, what kind of person is buying our clothing? How much money do they have to spend? What kind of job do they have? What kind of area do they live in? These are all things that brands think about to create not only their marketing and branding and like their identity as a company, but also their, their, their size charts and their fit. You know, um, companies that make clothes that are like missies, which is like middle-aged women, I guess is the easiest way to describe that. They're going to have a different kind of fit and a different fit model and a different marketing plan than somebody like Forever 21 who's trying to sell clothes to like 22-year-olds. You know, like that's two totally different companies with different markets and they're going to decide their size charts based on who they think that person is. So, um, you know, that's uh, something that I stress all the time in my stories over on Smart Glamour is the importance of looking at size charts and the importance of knowing your own measurements. Um, you know, the only thing that's going to happen if you just guess your size and, and pick it blindly is you're going to probably end up disappointed. Um, you know, I can't stress enough the importance of knowing your measurements, checking them often. Um, you know, try, and I know it's hard. A lot of people like, obviously because of the way society is, they have, we have these stigmas attached to like size and measurements and, mm -hmm. and how big we are. Um, but uh, the more that you like take in this information from companies like mine, other people who do similar work, um, the more hopefully you can kind of change that context in your brain to just being like, these are just facts that I need to know in order to get the correct garment in the mail. Um, because it will cut off this whole thing of like, oh, I guess I'll, maybe I'll try this or maybe I'll try this or maybe I'll get this size and this size and then I'll see which one is best and then I'll send the other one back. I mean, like all of that nightmare, um, a lot of it can be removed if we do the work um, ahead of time. Then the next thing to say is that unfortunately, the majority of clothing, especially when you're buying like mass market, not ethically produced um cheap clothing uh the <laughs> the production process is not great they're outsourcing their clothes to be made um in factories and then those factories may even be outsourcing again and not telling the original company there's a lot of places where things get broken down so like you might even be looking at a size chart and then when you get the garment, it doesn't fit that size chart because something in that process is so removed and it got passed through and it got missed over. Um, you also have to think about, as I mentioned, you know, those those companies I mentioned earlier that like they bought clothes from my design house. They don't make their own clothes. We're not the only design house they make clothes. They buy clothes from, <laughs> you know, they buy their clothes from, 
you know, 10, 20 different design houses. And the only company, there are only two companies that we made clothes for who had their size chart that we were supposed to make things from off of was Walmart and Wet Seal. Every other store just bought whatever we made. So they're doing that from us. They're doing that from another design house. They're doing that from another design house. So like, it's really just this, the system as a whole that is um, broken. Um, and it's unfortunate because the answer uh, really is to just try to shop with smaller stores and with people who um, are having the kind of, kind of conversations that I'm having, who are talking about where their clothes are made, how their clothes are made, why their size chart looks the way it does, what that means, how to measure yourself, how to help you. Um, and then on top of that, of course, you know, the price tag is going to be a little bit more because it's a smaller business. Um, and other than mine, and, you know, there are a few other uh, small inclusive brands, a lot of them are then non-inclusive. So, you know, <laughs> there is no, unfortunately, there's no like quick, easy solution to this problem. But but my um, my main advice, no matter what, where you're able to shop or where you want to shop is to know your measurements, check size charts, ask questions. You know, if you're unsure, send the company an email. If they're the kind of company that's too big to even answer you, I mean, unfortunately, I wouldn't recommend shopping from that place or just be aware of like realistic expectations of what you're going to get. You know, you're not going to get the same kind of customer service or fit or quality from, you know, a big store like a JCPenney or a Ross that you than you are from a small business. Right. Well, we actually do have somebody watching right now who is typing a question for you. Okay. Um, she just actually posted, you know, if she could ask a question. So I'm waiting for that to come through. Sure. Um, and then we're going to let one of our viewers ask you a question. Sure. So I'm just waiting for that to come through. Grabbing her coffee. Because, <laughs> again, y'all know how much I like my coffee. <laughs> coffee is life. And I'm just waiting for her question to come through now. And when that question does come through, I'll actually put it up on the screen as well. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, and this is actually a really good question. And I already know the answer to this from our previous conversation. Mm -hmm. But Alana is on right now. And she said, I'm, I came in late. I'm sorry. Not sure if this was talked about or not. Why is it that plus size clothing costs more and we don't get nicer styles like the smaller sizes? Alana, that is a very good question. Mallory and I have had this conversation. So I'm going to let Mallory answer this. Um, so this is something that I talk about fairly often on my social media accounts. And I actually just put up a post a few days ago about um, pricing and why, um, not necessarily why this happens, but why it should not happen and does not need to happen. The very quick short answer to both of these parts of this question is that the fashion industry is fat phobic and they don't like fat people. Um, <laughs> that's that to be quite frank. Um, yeah. And if anyone who tells you different, like that's, you know, I don't know why they're trying to defend um, an industry, but that's the case. Uh, 
the cost, I'll address the cost thing first. So basically what's happening is the fashion industry won't let go of the idea that um, straight size people and specifically like a medium, a small medium is the average size person. They, they're, they've attached to this, this concept. It's, you know, who knows if maybe it was true back a bazillion decades ago, but it's not anymore and they won't let it go. So a lot of companies, um, that do either straight size only or straight and a little bit of plus, they see that as two different customers. So they have a customer of straight size and a customer of plus instead of just clothes for everyone. And that goes into design, but it also does go into cost because what they're doing is they're costing their clothing off of a sample size of a medium or a small, depending on what their range is. Um, and then they're making plus size clothing and they're costing that off of maybe a one or a two. Um, and so therefore the plus size clothing is going to cost more because it's more fabric, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, they had to bring in a different fit model for it, et cetera. Um, the fact of the matter is, however, that the majority of human beings, especially in America, are plus size. And the average uh, woman or femme in America has a 38 inch waist and wears a one or a two, depending on the company size chart, as we just mentioned. So if you actually wanted to, you know, make the most money and do things correctly, you would have all of your clothing under one umbrella. You would be costing off of a 1X, 2X. That would be your target customer. That would be who you're advertising to. That would be who you're marketing to. And then the smaller and the larger sizes on the other sides of that even each other out. That's what I do. Um, that's what other inclusive companies do. But when we think about very big brands, they have plus size and straight size people as if they're not not even the same person. And then when companies, you know, started off with say they they uh, created a company and they make extra small to extra large, and then people get on the internet and they yell at them and they say you need to make plus sizes, and they go okay, we'll tack on a one and a two, or if you're lucky, a one two three. Again, that's like a, an addition. They're tacking that on, so they're gonna and they're not gonna readjust all of their costing. They're just gonna cost for plus sizes separately than from their straight sizes. And also, a lot of those brands that do that then don't go the extra step to actually invest in this plus size customer. They're not following plus size uh, conversations online. They're not giving money to plus size influencers. They're not putting plus size models on their websites. And then when plus size shoppers either A, don't even know that they started making clothes for them or B, don't trust them because they don't see anyone in the clothes that represent them. They don't see any influencers wearing their clothes. They don't see any reviews of people wearing their clothes. So they don't give that brand their money, rightfully so. Then the brand goes, oh, sorry, you know, the market's not there. No one bought the sizes. So we're just going to stop making them. Um, so it's truly a failure of, of the industry and of those brands. But the fact of the matter is, um, if we, you know, society at large is, is fat phobic and then fashion industry is fat phobic. Fashion education is fat phobic. So until those things change at the start, it's not going to trickle into fashion companies. You know, if, if education is fat phobic, the people that leave that education and start brands are also going to be fat phobic. So like it's, it's, it's a, it's a large problem <laughs> that needs to be addressed um, in many areas. And so I'm just going to, you know, long and short of it, we are invisible. Yeah. Bodies like this, bodies like mine, I'm going to use mine as the example, are invisible. And mm -hmm. the ball gets dropped. And as far as like the nicer styles and stuff, we get the leftovers. 
that's the long and short of it as from what i'm gathering i mean it's not even necessarily leftovers it's just it's just not considered and it and it's i can't uh, like stress enough how much it's just truly just built in like fashion industry does not exist separate from our society as a whole and if we live in a fat phobic society the fashion industry is also going to be fat phobic you know i i'm also a part-time professor and i've had students ask me in completely a non-malicious way not trying to be mean say well, you know, I I want to make, but I want to make avant-garde, like cool clothing. Like don't plus size people not want that because they want to hide themselves because they don't like their bodies. And I was like, okay, well, you know, thank you for feeling you can ask me that question. Um, I would just ask back to you, like, do you think that all straight size people want avant-garde clothing? Like no matter what person, every, every straight size person wants avant-garde clothing and every straight size person loves their body and wants to show it off. And they were like, no. And I was like, well, if you don't think straight size pe people are a monolith, then why are plus size people a monolith? Um, and that's just, you know, that's what she has taken in from society, from her previous fashion studies. Um, and it's and it's what people think. And it's unfortunate because it's not true. We know it's not true. But when you keep traveling down that line and then you become a fashion industry professional, or the people who are fashion industry professionals that own these companies, you know, the majority of big fashion companies are owned by um, heterosexual white men. So it's very removed from the reality. And it has changed, you know, I mean, I from even just from when I started Smart Glamour in 2014 to now, there's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot more um, brands and there's been a lot more options. Um, it's still nowhere near enough. I mean, just as of like two years ago, only 12% of the total money in our country spent in women's clothing was plus size people. When plus size people are 67 to 72% of the population. So there is a huge uh, gap in the market. Um, plus size people are completely underserved while being the majority of the population. So we can only continue to move in the in the right direction. <laughs> well, and Alana, um, if you check out my Buy Me a Coffee, I am actually going to make a post listing a couple different size inclusive, like truly size inclusive um, brands, because there are some out there, you know, like Mallory said, you know, maybe 12% of all of it is really size inclusive but it's something that you know when i when i first started my journey of really appreciating my body and not wanting to hide it i started looking at other clothing mm -hmm. and realized how much there really wasn't until i started really digging into different brands and i'm lucky that i've been able to kind of be pointed at you know have a different ones pointed out to me um, so we have another comment. Something to interject. When I was growing up, plus size clothing was made as almost to make a plus size person's, um, I'm assuming that should be plus size person's body, an object of ridicule, lack of style, and what looked like leftover fabric. And I, I can honestly say I have felt the same way as a plus size woman. You know, we see that a lot. And I look at different magazines even that are supposed to be for plus size. You know, that that's the size they cater to. And 
I don't want to wear something that looks like a muumuu. Right. And I mean, that just ties back to like, it's just, it's just literally what society has taught people. Um, and it's, in, and it's, you know, it's incorrect, but unfortunately a lot of people specifically within the fashion industry just don't see the plus size consumer as an important consumer. Um, you know, I, I also did a post recently just pointing out the fact that like plus size people are not a niche market. People love to think that like plus size clothing is a niche market. You can't be a niche. You literally by definition cannot be a niche if you were the majority of human beings. That's not a niche. If anyone is a niche, it's straight size people. Um, and if that sounds ridiculous, because <laughs> it does sound ridiculous, um, it would be even more ridiculous for plus size people to be described as a niche. You cannot be a niche if you're the majority of human beings. <laughs> well, Mallory, I want to thank you for all the work that you've done. I really feel like, you know, companies like yours have kind of started really broadening the scope and hopefully are leading the way for women to feel comfortable in their bodies and in the clothing that they wear because you're making clothing that can fit our bodies. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for doing that. You're welcome. Um, and I would very quickly love to uh, steer people's attention. Um, if you don't already know of or follow the uh, influencer and activist Saucy West, um, her handle is spelled S-A-U-C-Y-E West. Um, she is an incredible uh, California-based uh plus size model, activist, influencer. And she just started an initiative called um, hashtag fight for inclusivity, where she is making an ongoing list of companies to boycott and then companies to support. Um, she is specifically focusing on getting companies to go past a 3X. Um, she herself is on the other side of a 3X. So the point is to um, call these companies in and and make them see the importance of making clothing in in larger sizes but she does also have some slides with brands uh to support so if you're looking for companies that do uh make not only you know a one two three but beyond uh definitely check out her posts and check out the support slides as well okay that was s-a-u-c-e-y-w-e-s-e-y-e the y is in front of the e okay is that all one word yes and is that her Instagram handle? Yes. Okay, you guys, I am actually putting that on the screen right now. So yes. that is S-A-U-C-Y-E-W-E-S-T on Instagram. Yeah. So I am going to encourage everybody to go on Instagram, check her out, follow her. I will be doing that myself once this episode is over because my phone is literally right here. <laughs> and I am on Instagram all the time. So I will be checking her out as well. But you guys, this is, what again, another resource to help plus-size bodies to be able to feel comfortable. And, you know, to, that's you, if you guys know me, you know that's what I'm about, is learning to love yourself and accept yourself in the body that you're in. And clothing plays a huge part in that, because if you don't, feel like you look good, then you're not going to feel good in general. You know, that's just, they go hand in hand. So that is why we did this episode today. Mallory, I want to thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with me. 
I love that this is the second podcast episode I've gotten to do with you. <laughs> I absolutely love being able to talk to you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. Now I have one final question for you. And I have to kind of revise it because normally this is a question that I would ask, you know, somebody in a larger body. Mm -hmm. So normally the question is, if you could go back to the small and secure person Mm. that you once were, what advice would you give them? But we're going to revise this for you. Looking at all the bodies that are out there, what piece of advice do you have? for all these beautiful bodies to feel good about themselves? Um, I would say that the f- probably the easiest thing that I think is uh, in, in today's age, probably the most helpful is to change and curate, like very, very specifically curate what you take in on the internet. Um, make sure you are following accounts of people that that look like you, that are bigger than you, that are different ethnicity than you, or ability than you, gender expression than you. Um, Actually, just the other day, an account that I love, uh, run by uh, Lindley um, Ashline, she put up a post of, I think, 40 people to follow who are in larger bodies. Um, And her account is body liberation photos. Hold on, I wanna say the right thing. Come on. Body liberation with Lindley. So body spelled, you know, B-O-D-Y, liberation, L-I-B-E-R-A-T-I-O-N, with, full word with, and then Lindley, which is I, L-I-N-D-L-E-Y, Lindley. And is um, that on Instagram as well? Yes. So she just, uh, seven posts ago, has 40 plus larger fat Instagram accounts you should follow. So, uh, yeah, following people, um, who are your size, who are bigger than your size, who are different from you, making sure that you unfollow. If it's somebody that you feel like you can't unfollow, you can mute, you can remove them from your feed. Anyone who posts things that make you feel badly about yourself. And you know, if it's a close, close personal friend, just mute them. They're not going to know. And then at some point, if you feel like you can, you can, you know, bring them back. You can check to see if their content has changed in any way. And then you can unmute them. Um, Any kind of companies who post things that you don't, uh, don't make you feel good. Unfollow them. If you see ads that are like, you know, harmful ads or like before and after and things like that, you know, not only delete them from your feed, but you can report them. Um, I do that all the time. So really uh, hardly and, and spe- very specifically curate what you see on the internet because we're all on the internet all day. We're on our phones, we're on our computers. And those things that we see and we read, they really get into our brains. So if you can start there, that would definitely be my biggest piece of advice. And then my next piece of advice would just be, and I know this this one's a little harder, <laughs> um, is to just get to know yourself. Um, it's very easy to be scared of things that we don't know. Um, and I think that when you, you know, avoiding mirrors, when you're like, you know, trying not to pay attention to what your body looks like or who you are, it just kind of piles and piles on itself. And then it's really hard to come back from that. So like take pictures of yourself, even if you don't, don't post, you know, to post them anywhere. You don't have to show them to anybody just for yourself. Um, you know, do look in the mirror, you know, don't, don't, don't try to hide away, especially even from yourself. 
um, because it's a lot easier to learn to accept and love someone that you know um, than someone that feels like a stranger. So just try try to stay in, in tune with yourself. I absolutely love that. Well, Mallory, again, thank you so much. Um, do, 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 do. Alana just asked a question. Are these people only on Instagram? I'm not an Instagram person. Um, so Lindley is not. Lindley is on Facebook as well. Body Liberation uh, by Lindley, I believe, is the same same handle on Facebook. Um, she also has a website, Body Liberation Photos. She's a, she does stock photography is her main um, business, but then she does okay. like online body liberation content. So that's why those handles are what they are. But if you don't personally have an Instagram, these people's Instagram accounts, you can still look them up even on a, on a desktop and it will open up. And then if they have other links in their bio to their websites or to Twitter or to Facebook or to a newsletter you can do those, you can click those things and follow them elsewhere and you don't have to be on Instagram, but that's just like an easy way to find them. Yeah, I, there's a bunch that I follow on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok. Mm -hmm. there, there's different um, influencers in that realm on all of those. And Alana, if you need to, feel free to message me privately and I'll um, forward you some as well. I can definitely do that for you. Well, you guys, that is all that I have today. Again, Mallory, thank you so much for joining me. If you have enjoyed this episode, if you got something out of it, if you want to see these continue, keep me caffeinated, you guys. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life right there. You guys have a great day. I will be back tonight with an episode of The Rope of Hope as well as this fat girl life. Bye guys.